Today, we celebrate two important uh, things. First of all, it's the presentation of the Lord Jesus in the temple. And also, we celebrate the World Day for Religious Consecration. So what I'm going to do is reflect on uh, the feast itself and then make an application for consecrated life. So there's a two-part homily. I say that in advance so you know where I'm going. I hope I can follow where I say I'm going. Uh, first of all, today, uh, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord Jesus is the conclusion of the Christmas season. It goes a lot longer in the church than it does in the world around us. So we're bringing the Christmas season to its full conclusion today. And in order for us to understand this feast, we have to understand two laws of the Torah of the Old Testament that the Jewish people took very seriously. And the first law was the requirement that God gave the Jewish people to present the firstborn to God. And in order for us to understand that, we have to go back deeply into the history of the Jewish people. You might remember the story of the Exodus, the a flight of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the Promised Land. And in order to convince Pharaoh to let them go, God sent many plagues upon the Egyptian people, uh, none of which were very successful in convincing Pharaoh until the last one. And that was when the angel of death came and struck down the firstborn of the Egyptian people, the firstborn children. And in order to keep that from happening to them, God told the Jewish people to offer a lamb in sacrifice and to smear the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes. And if they would do that, when the angel of death came, he would pass over the homes of the Jewish people and their children would be saved, and God would, through that act, set the people free to, to leave Egypt and head to the Promised Land. That's why it's called the Feast of Passover, because God passed over those, those homes. Now, after they arrived in the Promised Land, God told the Jewish people that they should commemorate this gift of God by presenting their firstborn children to God uh, at the time of birth. And not only the firstborn human children, but the firstborn animals were offered in sacrifice. So the firstborn lamb would be offered in sacrifice to God, and when a, when a firstborn son was born, a lamb would be, be offered in sacrifice in the place of that firstborn son. And so Mary and Joseph are following the law of the Lord by bringing Jesus to the temple to present him to God in today's gospel reading. The second law that we have to understand, the law of Torah that was uh, followed by faithful Jews, was a requirement that a woman, after she gave birth to a child, would be purified over a period of 40 days before she could enter fully into the life of the people again. And the first seven of those days uh, were in seclusion. You know, the birth was even more of a mystery in those days than it is for us today. You know, the, the, it was important, they saw, for the woman to recover from giving birth to a child, for her to be secluded. And after those first seven days, they had 33 more days before she could fully uh, become active in the worship life of the people. 
And it was required that they would offer as uh, a, a, an act of praise and thanksgiving to God after this period of purification, a sacrifice, either as we heard in today's gospel, uh, a turtle dove, or if they were more wealthy people, a lamb. So we see Mary and Joseph being faithful to the law of the Torah in the act of presenting their child Jesus uh, to God in the temple today. And that's what we celebrate. And the church wants all of us in the church to understand that when we were baptized, we were also presented to the Lord. Most of us were baptized as children, right? And we were presented to the Lord in the temple, which are the churches of his day. And just as the Father received Jesus, he receives all of us who are now sons in the Son. All of us, whether men or women, are seen by God as participating in the life of his son Jesus. And just as Jesus was pleasing to him in that offering, we are pleasing to God through our baptism. And in today's gospel, we see um, Simeon, an old man, and Anna, an old woman, rejoicing at the coming of Jesus into the temple. And that, that symbolizes the welcome that the Jewish people who, were, who had eyes open in the eyes of the early church to recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise, the, the coming of the Messiah. The New Testament is welcomed by the Old Testament. So that's what the church is celebrating on the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is why did Pope John Paul II choose this day, the Feast of the Presentation, as a day for the church to reflect on consecrated life? And that's the second task I have this morning. Uh, first of all, I think it's important for us to review what the church means by consecrated life. You know, all of us here are familiar with the sisters, right? Especially the sisters uh, who uh, educated us in uh, Catholic school. Where would the church be without sisters? Or as we commonly say, without the nuns, right? So consecrated life um, is best exemplified, I think, for most of us in the, the life and the example and the work of religious sisters. But also consecrated life is broader than that. Uh, those of us who are older remember there were lots of brothers around who taught in our Catholic schools. There were also brothers who had hospitals. That's a, that's a rare vocation in the church today. But we celebrate not only the, the religious women, but we also celebrate religious men who are consecrated. And some of the religious men who are consecrated also become priests. So we have mixed communities of religious life for men. Some are, some are brothers and some are priests uh, living together, a common lifestyle, and working together in the service of the gospel. So we have sisters and we have brothers and we have priests who are religious, but also we have a couple other categories. Um, uh, there are what is referred to by the church as religious institutes, which are people who live in the world and dress like the rest of us, but who consecrate themselves to God through vows or promises. And that's another dimension of the life of the church that we celebrate today as we commemorate the gift of consecrated life in the church. And then finally, there are consecrated virgins. 
you know, who are women who make uh, a consecration of themselves to God, uh, living wholly in the world. Uh, you wouldn't recognize them by the way they dress. Hopefully you'd recognize them by the way they live their life seriously as, as Christian women. But that's a, a, a unique vocation at, that is beginning to uh, show itself in a more common way in the life of the church today. We have a couple of uh, consecrated uh, virgins uh, with us as we celebrate this morning. And, and, the, and Pope John Paul II said that he wanted to establish this day commemorating consecrated life for two purposes. One of the purposes was for the people who are consecrated, you know, the brothers and sisters and, and consecrated uh, virgins and um, religious uh, priests, it's an occasion for you to remember your consecration and to renew your commitment, you know, to thank God for the gift of your vocation and to recommit yourself to a more intense living of uh, religious life. But the second reason he gave is so that the broader church, that means the rest of us here who don't fall into the category of consecrated women or men, to come to esteem uh, this vocation uh, more um, enthusiastically in the life of the church today. Uh, to, the word esteem means to show great respect for, but I think he also wanted us to think about it so that more of our young people today would think about the possibility of consecrating themselves to God uh, through religious life or one of those other forms of religious consecration. So, young men and women who are here who don't have commitments to marriage, uh, we hope today's celebration will be an occasion for you to think about the possibility of consecrated life for yourselves. You know, in the earliest days of the church, in the days of St. Peter and St. Paul and the 12 apostles and perhaps the first 300 years in the life of the church, there weren't any consecrated religious it seems historically to have risen at the period in the church when the persecution of the Roman Empire stopped. You know, to be a Christian in those early days, in the first, first 300 years of our church's existence, would mean to risk martyrdom. And so Christians, if they were, uh, had any sense at all, uh, I should say people, if they had any sense at all, wouldn't have become Christians unless they were willing to ex to accept the consequence of maybe even being martyred. In other words, it, it took someone who was very serious about being a Christian to consider the possibility of baptism and entrance into the faith community in those days. And so the earliest members of our church, for the most part, were very enthusiastic about following Jesus because they were risking everything, even their lives, in doing that. Now, after the church experienced the Edict of Milan in the early fourth century, huge numbers of people began to join the church. Some of them for political reasons, some of them simply because their family was doing it. It was the end thing to do. I mean, it was incredible growth in the life of the church at that time. And because people who became Catholics weren't so serious about making that commitment because they didn't risk anything anymore, the quality of Christian life began to diminish. Uh, perhaps like it is in our world today, right? We know that uh, only 18% of the, 
of our fellow Catholics go to Mass on Sunday now. That means, you know, 82% don't go even to church on Sunday. And because the quality of Christian life was diminishing, there were members of our church community, women and men, who wanted to be different and wanted the church to have an example of enthusiastic Christian commitment so that the church would be drawn into a more intense living of the gospel life. And that was the beginning of religious life. Women and men who said, I'm not going to live like everybody else. I'm going to live a much, a much more clear commitment to Jesus and to his church community. And many of them withdrew into the deserts and became hermits. Uh, others formed communities. And religious life began to grow in the church. And it's been a rich gift to the church for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. We have many different forms of religious life present in our cathedral this morning and a huge presence of religious in the life of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. You read the history of the Archdiocese and you see it was built on the shoulders of religious women and men who gave themselves enthusiastically to the life of the gospel for the sake of their brothers and sisters. Uh, they're here to show the rest of us how to live the gospel. We're supposed to see in the example of their lives what God expects of us. In their intense prayer, we're, we're shown that we're supposed to be women and men who pray. In their commitment to the, uh, the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, we're shown that to be a Christian, I mean, all of us have to be chaste, and all of us have to be obedient to God, and all of us have to live a life that isn't captured by material possessions, right? So what, what they do is an intense witness of what all of us are supposed to do in some way in our lives as disciples of Jesus. And so we thank the sisters and the brothers and the priests and the consecrated virgins and, and those who are committed to religious consecration for their example, which inspires us, and also we're grateful to the wonderful works that they do in the life of the church. So I hope you take religious life seriously, especially those of you who are religious, but all of us here, we need to take religious life seriously. And we have to encourage our daughters and our sons, our grandchildren, to think about the possibility of religious life for themselves. Now, having said all that, I'd like to address a few words to the consecrated people who are present today. So we celebrate this feast of uh, the presentation, and it gives us an occasion to reflect on religious consecration. And uh, why, uh, what are you supposed to do? I mean, why are we doing this? Why did the Holy Father not only ask us to assume religious life, but ask you to live it more faithfully? Well, first of all, it's all about Jesus, right? It's not about you. You know, just as Jesus was presented into the temple by Mary and Joseph, uh, we see in him an example for ourselves. You know, where, where we go, where he goes, we follow. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we celebrate this day in order to imitate the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, but in the Old Testament, after the passage of uh, a number of years, after the um, Jewish people escaped slavery in Egypt, 
and enter the promised land. Um, the church, I mean, the, the Jewish community raised up what they called uh, Levites, who were part of the priestly uh, people of Israel. And the Jewish people saw in the Levites um, an ability uh, for them to do what they couldn't do themselves. What I'm, what I'm saying here is the Levites took the place of the firstborn sons of Israel. You know, they, not everybody could be consecrated to the Lord. So it was his tribe that took on for themselves um, the act or the obligation of the consecration of the firstborn to God. And so they took the place of the other Jews. Now, you don't take the rest of our places in the sense that, you know, you're not the only serious Christians. Sometimes we think that, historically, that, you know, if you're, good, if you're going to be a serious Christian, you ought to become a nun, right? Or if you're going to be a serious Christian, you ought to be a priest. I, if a young man goes to Mass every day, all the people in the community think, well, he's going to be a priest, which is foolishness, you know. They, religious don't take the place of the rest of us. They just give us a good example. And all of us are called to be faithful and committed to the Lord. But they had this tendency in the Jewish people uh, to uh, this act of substitution where the Levites would substitute for the rest uh, of the Jews, the firstborn children of the Jews. And so this feast in some way um, brings to mind the, that history of the Levites in the life of the earlier community. Uh, in today's gospel, we heard about Anna and about Simeon a man and a woman who spent most of their life in church. And uh, perhaps that's the reason some people think that we celebrate this feast of religious life on the Feast of the Presentation because you women and you men here are the ones who spend all your time in church. But that's not true. I mean, all of us are called to spend time with the Lord, whether it's in church or at home or at work or in other places. But I think in some people's mind, uh, this feast is celebrated on this day because the religious somehow um, are in church more than the rest of us. But what Anna and Simeon were primarily in today's gospel, were, they were prophetic witnesses to Jesus. You know, the word prophet means someone who speaks for another. And they spoke for God, acknowledging who Jesus was, and we're told that Anna proclaimed the good news of Jesus' arrival to everyone who would listen. And I think that is, a, that is a, uh, a characteristic of consecrated life. Not only are you giving yourself to the Lord, but you are beginning to participate in a unique way in the prophetic vocation of God's people. That all of your life, for those of you who wear habits, even the, what you, the clothes you wear are words about Jesus about the reality of God. So you continue that prophetic witness of Simeon and Anna in the church today, and for that, we are very grateful to you. But most of all, the reason why the church celebrates religious life on the Feast of the Presentation is because the temple of the Jews was always associated with sacrifice. That was a primary reason for the temple. It's where the people brought their gifts, and sometimes it was fruit and vegetables. Sometimes it was uh, an animal like a lamb or a goat or a, a calf. They, they brought those animals, those things, to offer sacrifice in the temple 
which was a sign of their offering themselves to God. And the reason why we celebrate religious life on the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus in the Temple is because, my dear sisters and brothers, your lives are uniquely lives of sacrifice in the service of God in the church. The word sacrifice comes from two Latin words, sacra, which means holy, and facere means to do or to make. So a sacrifice is to make something holy. And by your religious commitment, you not only make your lives holy, but you enter into the mystery of God using you to make the world and all the things you do, all the people you meet, all the things you touch into something that's holy. It's a wonderful um, moment to remember the self-giving nature of consecrated life. On the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus, as you saw, we had the blessing of candles. And the candle is, again, a unique symbol of consecrated life, of religious life, because it burns brightly, you know, it burns, you know, and we hope that your commitment to be a disciple of Jesus is still burning in your hearts, leading you to live radical lives of the evangelical um, councils. And as it burns brightly, it consumes the wax of the candle. Uh, and that's what your life's supposed to be about. Your lives are supposed to be consumed by the fire of your love for Jesus. So, we thank you for all the work you do, but we're even more grateful for the example you give. And may your example of self-giving, sacrificial life call all of us to be self-giving uh, through the gift that God has given us in baptism. May God bring com completion the vocation that began in your hearts, and may God bring all of us through your good example to a deeper commitment to him in the church for the sake of the kingdom of God. Amen.